today on Gifted Autonomy. We're talking creative empowerment, purpose, and collaboration with your feelings and your concerns. Be gifted. Be enlightened. Be a part of Gifted Autonomy. Happy Saturday and welcome to another episode of Gifted Autonomy. Today we have author and transformative coach Clifton Pettyjohn joining us and we're very interested in learning more about his life and career path and how he chose these really interesting roles and how they all mesh together. So let's hop right into it. Thanks for joining us Clifton. How are you? I'm doing wonderful on today. How are you? I'm doing well. Just happy to, to be here on this this beautiful Saturday and be discussing everything with you. Awesome, awesome. I feel the same way. <laughs> so just to hop right into it, um, give us some background about yourself, like how you grew up, where you grew up, and how you stepped into your current roles as an author and, and life coach. And then also, you mentioned that you have a podcast as well. Yes. Uh, first, I want to thank you again for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I am your trusted voice of transformation. I teach creators how to transform their lives through embracing their best self. So growing up, I grew up in a small state called Delaware. So we're here on the East Coast. We're known for our beaches. Uh, I grew up with my brother and my mom and my mom kind of became everybody's mother. So at any given time, everybody was at our house. Uh, we were taught the value of family, the value of love, and the value of accepting individuals for who they are, loving them for who they are. With me, I kind of grew up facing a lot of different battles in my life. I battled with uh, low self-esteem. I battled with belonging. There were times I always explain it this way. To my white friends, I was too black. And to some of my black friends, I was too white. So I was hmm. going through some of those changes in the midst of my life. I wear a t-shirt now that says weird. Uh, I came up with an acronym for it and a um, webinar for it because I flipped the script on that. Because growing up, I always thought I was weird. I did not like myself. I felt like you know how sometimes you compare yourself to everybody else. So you kind of mm -hmm. feel like, well, if I was more like this person or if I was more like that, then it would make sense to me. But as I grew up and, and, and begin to embrace myself, I begin to understand that that weirdness, that uniqueness about me was exactly what the world needed. And mm -hmm. I stopped embrace. I stopped pushing it away from me and I began to embrace it. And I began a journey of falling in love with myself you know, and valuing myself. And as I begin to value myself and fall in love with myself, I begin to embrace, you know, as I talk about that best self and that best self simply means that self that is present at that moment. Many times we're always looking to better ourselves, and we should work on self-development and improvement. But at times we have to begin to look at the present state that we're in and realize that this is the best state that we can be in for where we are right now. We have everything that we need 
right now in order to be effective in the present. Mm -hmm. Wow. that And that's such a, a moving testimony and some things that stood out to me about what you were saying when you talked about, you know, when you were younger, there were a lot of comparisons you were making mentally to other yeah. people and, and people in your environment. And we just talked about in our last episode how comparisons are the thief of joy. Yes. <laughs> so it's so, so um, integral that you mention that <laughs> because we, you know, we just mentioned that because it, it really can steal your joy because you're basically trying to keep up with the Joneses or, you know, be really uniformed in how you act, which is everything that this podcast is, is to kind of combat, you know, that uniformity yeah. that everybody has to take the same path or do everything the same way. Um, because, you know, just embracing differences is how we really make the world better. And, you know, so. it stifled, it stifled my creativity as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to touch on the podcast real quick. Uh, I started a podcast called What Now? And the reason why I started the podcast was because I was going through writer block, writer's block with a book that I was writing, talking about, you know, how sometimes we hit defining moments in our lives and we're left questioning ourselves saying, what now? What do I do right now? And my therapist said, well, you're trying to write. Why don't you use your voice? Why don't you launch a podcast and everything that you intend to write that seems to be blocked? Why don't you talk it out? And we did that for a season and, and it was wonderful. It was great. I got all the material that I needed to complete the book. And now what I've, I've transitioned into is a podcast called Multidimensional Intelligence. And the reason why I, I went that route is because many times we're taught to define intelligence in one dimension. So it's always the kid that gets the highest grade in the class that messes up the curve. So if you're not that kid, you start to feel as if you're not intelligent. You never tap into that creative nature of who you are. So that's the whole focal point of this podcast is that I want to reach individuals who feel as if their gift, their talent, their ability is not good enough. They're not good enough. I want them to begin to unlock that inner intelligence within them to just sprout out and be everything that they have the possibility of being. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, especially, you know, starting with youth because they're building that foundation. And like you were saying, they need that confidence. So yes. one grade should not be defining somebody's no. confidence. So no. yeah, that's, that's amazing that you're a part of that. Um, just, just kind of thinking and looking over your bio and everything. We know that you're a transformative coach with yeah. your own LLC. Yes. So when I think of transformative and, and I'm really was really excited about this interview because I really want to learn more, um, I relate it to something that's completely life changing. So can you elaborate more on on what that actual role entails and how you mesh that aspect of your life together with your writing? Sure. Uh, try, I call myself a transformative coach, a transformation, a co transformation coach. The word transformation means so much to me because as I said, I limited myself with everything. I found myself living by self-limiting belief systems. When I grew up, I had two teachers that made an impact on my life. So by second grade, I knew exactly what I wanted to be in life. And that was an educator. I wanted to be a teacher. That never changed, still has not changed. However, I limited teaching to a classroom. Mm -hmm. 
I did not understand that with the creative creative nature inside of me, I had the ability to take that gift, that talent and ability and mold it into something that I enjoyed that wasn't limited by a classroom. So I went through a, a life altering journey in my life where everything that was stable in my life, everything that represented stability in my life changed. My job was gone. Everything life as I knew it was over. And at first I just felt and I, I felt as if this is it. My life is over. I'm 25. I, I guess I've lived the best years of my life. And I was stuck there for years. And this is why I became this transformative coach, because I've seen a lot of people get stuck in the memories of what used to be and not understanding the possibilities of what they could create right now. So I found myself stuck there and it took me years to come out of it. But as a child, I used to watch this cartoon called Transformers and I loved the cartoon Transformers. But I, the reason why I loved the cartoon was because of the theme song. The theme song says the first six words of the theme song, because I don't even know the rest of the words. It <laughs> says Transformers more than meets the eye. Five mm. words. I think that is. I said six. Can't count today. So more than meets the eye. That thing stuck out to me because I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, that's so powerful. Because if you watch the cartoon Transformers, you ever see them transform into the the whatever it is that they transform into you begin to notice that they look nothing like what they once looked like now they were they were able to be effective in the state that they were before but their dimension or level of effectiveness wasn't the way that it could be in the new state that they transformed into and so I, I, I took that aspect and I began to think about it with my personal life. Like, okay, Cliff, what would happen if you took those limits off and became this almost superhero or morphed into your superpower? What really could begin to happen? Not just for other people, because we have to be the foundation of it. We have to be the foundation of it. What could happen in your life? And I just begin to look at transformation differently. I begin to look at it differently. I looked at change versus transformation. I begin to look at modified behavior versus transformation because sometimes we've learned how to modify our behavior based upon our environment or based upon who's around. How you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing today, man? I'm not feeling good. How you doing today? Oh, I'm great. We learn how to communicate in all of those arenas. But when you begin to transform, you can communicate, yo, I'm, I'm not feeling it today. That's an emotion. However, I understand that I'm greater than that emotion. I'm going to own it. I'm going to take ownership of it. I'm going to take ownership of every decision I made. I'm going to take ownership of every thought that I had. I'm going to take ownership of it. However, I'm not going to allow it to dominate me. I'm going to take the dominion that I was created to have and I'm going to dominate it. So I hope that explained it. Yes, <laughs> thoroughly. <laughs> and some things that I love that you said about the Transformers, and it actually is six words. So, okay, good, good. Like, well. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I just think that's a great analogy and I've never heard anybody use it that way. I too love the Transformers, like the, the cartoon and then the actual movies because yeah. you do get to see them totally change to another identity. And yep. to kind of relate that to what you were saying, you know, about the, your effectiveness changing and then you mentioned change versus transformations. And I just think that that's all really key things that any, you know, I'm saying this is for entrepreneurs or creatives, but really anybody can take away from and and apply that to their lives. So, and can I I say one more thing too? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Here, here's what I believe that's so powerful about our transformation, and this is just a belief that I have. Okay, I believe that when we transform into the state that we've never experienced before, we've actually we're actually transforming into who we already were. We've just never experienced ourselves in that state, but it's actually who we always were. Some people look at it as, oh, you're just, you're a totally new person. You're different. No, 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 no. I'm just embracing the totality of who I am. The original state was great. It worked in the environments that it needed to work in. But now as I'm growing, as I'm developing, as I'm maturing, there's a whole nother state that I'm learning to operate in that I've already operated in before, but now it's manifesting in this state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, people evolve just like, you know, the atmosphere or, you know, Mm -hmm. nature. So it's a certain level of evolution. I think that you're speaking to. So yeah, that's super important. Um, in digging a bit deeper into the context of your novel. And of course it's called from stagnation to transformation. Um, tell us your philosophy or vision. You told us a bit about, you know, that philosophy, but can you tell us in more relation to the book, your philosophy and vision for, for from stagnation to transformation? Sure. Uh, I've talked about transformation. Now I want to talk a little bit about stagnation and, and the reason why this book was brought about. Um, as I stated, you know, my world was shaken up everything that was represented stability in my life or how I define defined stability was now uprooted. And I found myself at a space where I felt like I was being, I was stagnant. Okay. Now, some people don't identify the stagnation because we look at stagnation as not producing, but the reality is that there's a form of stagnation where we still produce but it's disrespectful to our creator and us as creators. So we produce at levels and in dimensions that are beneath our existence. So that's the whole purpose of this book. This book is, I call it a 21 day journey or not. I don't like to use the word journey, a 21 day coaching actuation designed to manument purpose. And the reason why I call it a coaching actuation is because you can't just read this book and then think, boom, here it is. Oh, we great to do it. No, there's some action that must take place. So actuation means to provoke to action. So over these 21 days, my desire is to help push you to actions that contradict the belief systems that you may have built in your life. So 
You'll you'll find some biblical or spiritual principles with principles within there. You'll find some practical principles in there. You'll find stories about myself, stories about other clients that I work with. Now I don't use their names, but mm-hmm. uh, you'll you'll find all of that to understand. And the reason why I did it not just from my perspective, but I did it from multiple perspectives, is because everybody's journey is different. What works for you may not work for me, yet the principles that we establish them on are yet the same. So I don't want people to get stuck in, oh, if I do it the way that Cliff said to do it, then such and such and such is going to happen for me in this time. No, they're just general principles that you can apply to your life and begin to see that transformative power in your life. Okay. And I did read a preview of the book. Luckily, mm. you know, I went on Amazon and they let me <laughs> read a, a little preview. Actually, a, a lot. I read a lot of information in that preview. Um, mm. But I did notice that you you did utilize a biblical intro. And mm-hmm. I know you just mentioned that as well. But how do you, if you can, you know, give us a little tidbit of this without actually giving away the book. How did you effectively intertwine biblical principles within the content of your novel like throughout? I think that that is one of my superpowers. Um, I've been coined a conversationalist. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a person that believes that I can have a conversation with anybody and my language can break through barriers. Um, some people feel as if, you know, you have to go in different arenas and talk you know, just straight scripture, 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 scripture. Well, I don't, that's not how I believe it. I did use them in here as principles and, and the foundation of what I do. But this book has helped, you know, those who were of Muslim belief and even those who are atheists. I can think of one atheist who said, you know, I applied it and it, it worked because of the language. I never want to limit my ability to be able to speak to those that are far beyond or, or don't believe the same way that I believe. But I'm very, excuse me, I do communicate very well what it is that I believe and how you can take that. There's some scriptures you can find in the Bible. You can take and go to the Quran and you can find some things that parallel with it. And you can go to other religions and find things that parallel with it. Why? Because these are universal principles. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I do that with with the book. Okay. And you also mentioned within your novel a few topics, but the ones mm-hmm. that I kind of wanted you to touch on because <laughs> I'm just interested <laughs> for for totally selfish reasons. No problem. Um, you mentioned self discovery. Yeah. You mentioned enlightenment, um, mm-hmm. battling and overcoming fear, and then avoiding situationships. So. <laughs> When I'm taking a look at these, they all seem like really good pillars to success in general. Yes. So I want to know why are these topics important or relevant to you? And then do you believe these are the pillars to success? To success? I do believe they are, are pillars to some of our success. Uh, self-discovery, I believe, is a pillar for everybody because I feel like many times we go through life not knowing who we are. We pick up fragments of people that we either idolize or people that we look up to as mentors or look up to as successful. We pull those fragments together and sometimes we start to form an identity um, 
I call it an infectious identity that sometimes is not ours, but we've just learned it for so long. We've learned it for so long and it makes sense to us. Like this just makes sense. And let's face the reality. Many times when we're on a journey of embracing our best self, that doesn't make sense. A lot of things that we do or we've been called, created and designed to do go against the norm. So we kind of start to live in that norm. So self-discovery is very highly important to me because it wasn't until I started creating from that space of myself that I got the fulfillment. Now, I may have looked successful to other people because some of the things that I did merited it success in you know life. However, to me, there was no fulfillment there. So self-discovery brought the fulfillment. Overcoming, I think it was fear. What was the other one that you said? I'm sorry. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. Yes, enlightenment. Sometimes we are taught to, uh, or sometimes we take the approach of turning everybody else's light on that we never take the time to turn our own light on and allow ourselves to shine. I'm a firm believer in Sometimes it's meant for you to shine and you have to allow yourself to shine. And that's not prideful. That's not arrogant. That's really humility. Because if you take it from the standpoint of God being your creator, your creator created, created you, put himself inside of you. So you ought to want to be illuminated because of the greatness that's inside of you. So I feel that there's a sense of enlightenment that has to happen in all of our lives so that we can begin to understand some things and be brought clarity about some things in a lot of areas of our lives. I think the next thing you talked about was fear, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, fear. Man, listen, I don't know if any of you have ever lived in fear, but I have lived a life full of the illusion of fear. And if you allow fear to, it will keep you locked in a box. And it'll even trick you a little bit as it relates to transformation, because you'll start to transform a little bit into the state of who you could be, uh, to the state of who you actually are, but you'll get stuck in that transformation. So you might not look like what you used to look like, but you're kind of looking like the in-between of what was in the possibility of what could be. Mm-hmm. And that's what fear desi- desires to do. And one of the things that I had to come to grips with to overcome fear was just doing it, just stepping out and doing it, facing, because some of you are still stuck with some of the things I was stuck with. You Back in elementary school, you raised your hand, you gave the answer that was incorrect. Everybody laughed at you. So now you lock yourself into Even if I know the answer, I'm not going to share the answer because there's a possibility that I might not be right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of adults live like that. So you have to allow yourself and give give yourself an opportunity to not look at it as I'm wrong, but maybe there's just another viewpoint of it and I have a chance to expand my own consciousness. Then the last thing was you're greater than a situationship. Mm -hmm. Um, that uh, to be honest i gotta tell the truth i was being petty when i wrote that part (laughs) okay i I have to be honest i tell everybody that and they just like oh my god i can't believe i was i was being petty when i wrote that part because i i had got a divorce i had uh i was in another relationship after the divorce 
And I really thought that this was going to be a good relationship. I thought, oh, this is it. This is this is the one, you know, like after going through the divorce and everything, this I finally found the one. Well, I didn't realize that their viewpoint and my viewpoint of what we were in was different. So it became a situationship. So when I wrote the original thing about the situationship, and I told him I wrote it about him and everything, it was about them. But when I went back and read it, I realized, wait a minute, this is about you and your expectations. And you're not willing, your, your lack of willingness to allow people to be who they are, even if it does not, I guess I don't want to say benefit, but even if it does not measure up to what it is that you want it to be. So it was something that I had to begin to look at myself and really realize, wait a minute, are you trying to control all of these situations because you don't like to feel out of control? So yeah, they, they, they were pillars for me because these were all things that made me look internally at myself and realize, yeah, champ, you got some areas you have to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and all of those, I hope people are really taking notes as they, <laughs> and also go read your, your book because these are all very key, key points in order to have, to be able to really do anything in life yeah. career wise or, you know, business wise. So very key. I wanted to kind of diverge a, a bit mm-hmm. and I always ask this question just because we have people from really all over um, internationally and nationally on the show. So I always like to ask how they feel creatives are supported in their geographical area because it, it may differ here. We are based in Alabama. <laughs> okay. So it'll be a different answer, you know, for everyone depending on where they reside. Um, but I did want to ask that, do you feel that creatives are supported in your geographical area? And if not, what more do you think can be done to kind of support those undervalued, I guess I could say, creatives or entrepreneurs? I would say that I'm beginning to see a renaissance in that area uh, here. Um, as I said, I grew up in a little state. OK, and I grew up in the most southern part of the state. Here's what they call it lower slower delaware okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what they call it (laughs) now i don't live in that part of delaware anymore i actually live in the middle part of delaware but i've seen a renaissance even in the mindset of what they call lower slower and i think that what happened was the bar wasn't set high enough in lower slower when i grew up i played baseball And, you know, we played and around where we played at, we were all that like we listen, we were great. Well, I started playing on this uh, AAU team and this was a different AAU team because our coach used to play professional baseball. So he kind of had a lot of hookups. So we started playing colleges um, not division one colleges because <laughs> no, <laughs> like community colleges, oh, okay. but we went and played community colleges in other States, mm. you know? Um, so when we would go and play, his idea was to teach us that 
basically y'all not as great as you think you are, but you have the possibility to be that great. And that's what really happened. Like we were open to a whole nother world. Even on my high school team, when we would go out of state and play different teams, the reality would, would hit us. They had better facilities. Some of their coaches had played professionally as well. You know, so it, it, it opened our eyes to a bigger picture. I think around here, we're starting, our eyes are starting to be open to a bigger picture. And we're beginning to understand, you know, entrepreneurship. We're beginning to understand local authors and appreciate local authors and, and not just say, you know, oh, that's nice. You wrote a little book. That's one of the things I hate when people say, oh, you got yeah. a little business. Oh, that's you made that little T-shirt. Oh, that is cute. You know, (laughs) you know, I I think now we're starting to get it in the sense of, no, let's support each other. And I think that 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 came along the lines, too, of us creatives taking a different stance. When I first started in entrepreneurship and even with my book, I at times was hesitant locally to participate in events mm-hmm. and to encourage people to purchase it because my mindset hadn't changed either. So I've seen a re- renaissance in, 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 in our state, but yeah, like I said, lower, slower Delaware. That's what they used to call us. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can even see how big writing a book was for me mm-hmm. and, and, starting a business was for me and and just even speaking and standing on certain platforms were for me because it was like you're from lower slower delaware like what you think that you can dream beyond that and i had to get that mentality that i may be from there but that does not limit what i was created to do Mm -hmm. and who i was created to be so yeah lower slower (laughs) (laughs) can you share some key learning experiences both good and bad that you've gone through in your you know you're on your path i don't want to use journey because i know you mentioned (laughs) (laughs) you don't use that word so um but on your path as an author entrepreneur even with your podcast like what are some key learning experiences and both good and bad so everyone can get you know a sense of what they can learn from you know Mm -hmm. i'll start with the not so positive one i will say value your platform and the reason why i say value your platform and value your product value your business and ultimately it all goes back to valuing yourself because if you don't set that tone for it to be valued, you will always attract people that don't value your platform. And I'll give an example. I've been blessed to interview some people that some people think are, you know, famous or in the industry. Um, And what I noticed was the respect that they had for my platform. And sometimes it began to shake me because I'm saying, do you know who I am? I'm from lower, slower Delaware. You know, like real talk, like my mindset hadn't shifted there yet. But then I would interview somebody that honestly, nobody would put on their platform, but I wanted to give them a chance and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
and they would not show up, mm. show up late, not call. You know why? Because I wasn't valuing my platform. But when I begin to value my platform and I begin to set standards for it, then I begin to understand. And you know why I did that, though? Because there were times in my life, excuse me, where I felt like nobody's going to give nobody's giving me an opportunity. I have so much to say and I can't get invited here and I can't get invited there. So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm never going to set the platform like that for anybody else. Well, the reality is that maybe I just wasn't ready for that platform yet. Maybe that wasn't a platform for me. So I had to shift my perspective because shifting my perspective also made me realize that, hey, those that are for it are for it. Those who are not are not. And I don't get caught up in the ones that aren't. That was the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is, you be so surprised at what you can do when you just take the limits off. And you'd be surprised at how people view what you do when you take the limits off. And I always tell people, take the limits off because it's like you're on training wheels. And it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that next year. I'm going to, no, just do it. Try it. Take the limits off and see what the possibilities are. You tried it your way so long, try it another way. So one of the things I had to do was take those limits off, even with my business. Take the limits off with the podcast. Take the limits off with my writing. I'm, I'm actually working on a second edition of From Stagnation to Transformation, where it is my story. Um, it's called From Stagnation to Transformation, A Transformed Man. And in this, you're going to see even the evolution of who I am from the first book to the second book. And some people are going to be even more surprised because they're going to be like, wow, you really have evolved into who you are yet because I took those limits off. And when I took those limits off, you'll find yourself in spaces and places you never dreamt in or imagined. And some of us have dreamt big, but if you take them limits off, you'll find yourself in spaces and places you never dreamt and imagined. I'm not even just talking about platforms. I'm talking about the peace inside of you, you know, just that space. Cause there's nothing like being able to go to bed at night and be at peace. Mm-hmm. That is the greatest fulfillment for me. Mm-hmm. Not wearing, not stressing, not uh, that is for me. So, yeah, and a lot of people don't have that. So Mm-mm. that is uh, <laughs> something definitely to be grateful for. Yes. You mentioned writer's block and overcoming writer's oh, block yeah. a little bit earlier in the interview, and and that's how you branched off to your podcast. <laughs> so in staying, and you kind of touched on that, so I want to move toward how you stay in a creative space with, you know, maybe the chaotic aspects mm-hmm. of all that you're balancing in life, or just even if you turn on the news and, and all of that gets in your head. <laughs> That's what happens to me sometimes. How do you stay focused and stay in a creative space? Uh, Sometimes it's staying around creative people Mm -hmm. uh, because of energy. I'm big on energy and I'm big on creative energy. Sometimes with me, if you see me, you will see my office gets changed around multiple times throughout the year 
because when I get to a space that I'm, I feel not creative, I feel like, okay, I need a change. I have a place that I go to only two people know where that is, where I just go and I sit, I might close my eyes. I might stare around and look, but it allows me to be creative. And the main thing that I've done is always now what well, I'm going to say now, I'm not going to say always, always now is a contradiction. Now, I've learned to put myself in more creative spaces. And that means conversations as well. High energy conversations. Because if you're not careful, I think we all have that one. If we're having a bad day, man, I'm just not feeling it today. Me either, man. I know exactly what you're saying. I had to get away from that because <laughs> I I call them people call them pity parties, but I identify them as cliff parties because I, I believe we have to take ownership of them. I don't need anybody to help me have a cliff party. I need somebody that's gonna say, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." I know that's how you're feeling, but you're greater than your feelings. Let's create, mm-hmm. and then just continuing to talk to yourself and do those affirmations. I am a creator. I am creative. I have the ability to create in any circumstance and situations because I was created by the ultimate creator. Creativity is never a lack of resource for me. Mm-hmm. It is a currency. And that that's all very good <laughs> for my own benefit. And I know for others listening, though, those are definitely some things they should apply. And you've made some very impactful statements just in our interview today. But in general, what type of mark do you believe you've made on the world so far with your content? I think the mark that I've made so far, and and by far I'm nowhere near where I desire to make, is a small mark in the sense of there is a possibility. There is hope. There is an opportunity and we just have to take advantage of that opportunity. Okay. And moving to a more, I guess you could say technical side. Tell us about, cause you do have, have a novel. Tell us about the inspiration. Well, you told us about the inspiration behind your book, but more so about your publishing journey as far as having the book published. Like, was it self-published or did you go through like a traditional publisher? Yes, my book is self-published. I push self-publication if you don't have the resources for traditional publication. And I did not. You know, when I wrote From Stagnation to Transformation, the funny thing about God sometimes is he will have you and push you in spaces that you have yet to quote unquote master. And I was still experiencing what I would call transformation and I had lack of resources. So, I, And I didn't even think self-publication was a possibility, you know, and I researched it and saw the benefits of it and it's worked for me. Okay. Yeah. And that's because, and I always ask that because you hear very different perspectives on it. Like the mm-hmm. people that did go through traditional publishing, which I don't really see i actually see more and i don't know if that's just the type of creatives that i surround myself with as far as different groups that i'm in um but i see a lot more indie publishers and Mm -hmm. people just being a good supportive network for that 
So they're you know, giving advice. They're telling, you know, hey, you can use this for editing or, mm-hmm. you know, how much this should cost and how much you should budget if you want to go down that path. So I think it's good that people have that support network in order to self-publish now. Absolutely. And and I think that there, there has been a shift there. And I'm big on ownership of content and owner. I'm just big on ownership. So that's that's another reason why I took, wanted to take that route as well, because I didn't want to the message to be altered based upon because you know a lot of times when you do the traditional scope when them editors get a hold of it what your original vision was in the beginning is not what is published and i wanted this message to get out Hmm. yeah and, and people have mentioned that too because they may have wanted like a certain phrasing you know mm-hmm. for certain <clears throat> for it to have that that specific impact that they want and you know if they're changing that because they think you know well grammatically this would sound better you're kind of taking away like you said their ownership of the content and, and their intent so that's that's definitely something to think about um what marketing tools have you found effective and that's for your book or for your podcast or other ventures that you have like what tools have you found effective and do you think social media plays a vital role in your messaging? Marketing wise, I would say social media has played a major role mm-hmm. in my messaging um, and getting it across. When when I first wrote From Stagnation to Transformation, people don't know this, but I wrote it on Facebook in a oh. Facebook group, okay? Mm-hmm. Private Facebook group for free. I went every day for 21 days and wrote it and shared it with that group. And then from there, we were able to publish it. So I've used social media as a marketing tool. My um, actual store on my website has different tools as well that we can use, whether it's Google and different things like that. But I found the greatest marketing for me is my mouth. Um, I'm a very quiet person, believe it or not. I'm very quiet, shy, reserved, um, introvert. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to certain things I get excited about, I'm very good at talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I realize I'm very good at selling people on it if I believe in it, you know, if I really believe in it. So those have been the marketing tools that I've used. Uh, Instagram. Now, I think I'm starting to begin to use Instagram a lot more than I used to because when I first started it was basically Facebook and then locally word of mouth the library here some uh, local universities here that's that's how I got it out okay which platform do you think has been more impactful for you do you think it's Facebook I know you said you're starting to use Instagram more now because I know different platforms work for different people Mm mm-hmm I would say Facebook was, but Instagram is now more. Uh, But I think that's too, because I became a little more, I was a person that didn't show like my comical side Mm -hmm. uh, that was like reserved to a certain group of people. But until I started, you know, this whole embracing my best self thing. So the more that I became freer and had conversations, like I have controversial conversations I'll post things that are very controversy. Uh, com- they have, yeah, controversy. 
No, is that the right word? <laughs> controversial, yeah. Controversial. I was like controversy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, it's something that's very controversial because it starts conversation. Mm-hmm. And from that conversation, then you find out what services I provide. Then you find about the uh, find out about the book. You find about the t-shirt. You find out about, you know, you find about find out about all of those things from conversation. Mm-hmm. So Instagram has helped me with that. Okay. And it's funny because since we're talking about this, like the last interview we did, she was saying how she was on um, Clubhouse and she was listening to a speaker and they were, and they basically told her, because she was saying, okay, should I create a business page separate for like my podcast or, or whatever venture she was doing? And the person told her something that I had never heard someone tell somebody that you don't want to separate who you are, like your personal page from your business, because people basically you have to make people like you as a brand before they'll look at anything else that you're doing. So she was telling her basically not to create a separate page. Like, do you agree with that? Or I agree with that in some aspects. I agree with that. If you are the face of the brand, Mm -hmm. if the brand is you, then I would say, establish yourself on your personal page then do a separate page but if you if your brand is something that's like i don't know i don't even know how to because my brand is me (laughs) but what i'll tell you what i did i did create a i just started a um business page for my transform you institute which is my coaching programs and the only reason why i did that is because my coach suggested it because he said, you know, you like to play a lot. You like to joke a lot. You like that controversial side of that. But there are going to be some people that won't like that side of that, but still want to work with you. So mm-hmm. you want to have that separate space as well. Mm-hmm. So I do understand what they're saying on Clubhouse, because if you are the representation of the brand, if it is you, you are directly out there then it is good to introduce people to who you are. Because one of the things that they they do teach us is that when people go to buy your book, they're not buying your book. They're not buying your information. They're buying you. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you're putting yourself out there and posting the things that you want to be seen so that people can get to know you not not know you too much you know sometimes you know and that's my i i know me that's my problem sometimes that's why i had to do the separate page Mm -hmm. because some people can do that and still purchase from me and then there's something i don't want all that controversial stuff i said it right that time (laughs) i just want the business aspect of it so i can see where it works both ways Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense definitely how do you measure impact or success? And I always ask this because, you know, people will say, you know, it's either one or the other. So they may measure it according to purchases or monetary gain, you know, or how many views I'm getting on something or something like that. Or people may measure it as, you know, am I touching lives or people responding to the content saying, you know, this is life changing for me. This helped me. Um, my, my perspective on it is cause I've, I've had people of different races and nationalities, ethnicities tell me even, you know, this podcast was helping them, which pushed me to want to create more content and have people come on here that give great advice and that they can relate to in case, you know, they may want to quit on whatever they're doing. 
but they realize, well, somebody else is in this same boat. I can take inspiration from this and grow. Because I think when people feel isolated or alone in something, that's mm-hmm. when they start feeling like it's no help for me. You Absolutely. know, like I'm just experiencing this when that is completely not true. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how do you measure impact or success? I think I measure it from both aspects. And, and the reason why I say both aspects is because I want people's lives to be interrupted. And the reason why I wanted to be interrupted is because I want you to stay. I want you to be reading something I said, listening to some, reading something I wrote, listening to something I said, and you might be walking, exercising. I want you to pause unless you're on the treadmill. I don't want you pausing on the treadmill. That's not, that's not going to be good at all. We don't need that at all. But I want you to pause and be like, wait a minute. I have been living beneath my privileges for too long i want you to have a flashback to when you were in fifth grade and people have told me that like yo when you talk to me i i see myself in fifth grade and i wanted to be this i wanted to be that and i see where i stopped dreaming that's the impact that i want to make that that's successful to me but there's an internal success that i have as well I guess it's three things. I'm sorry. The internal success is the most important. And that is that I am my most authentic self. If nobody buys the book, uh. (laughs) 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 you don't understand how I had to fight myself when I started saying this. I was like, Cliff, you want people to buy the book? I do, but I don't want to change it and not be authentic in myself for them to buy it. So if nobody buys the book, Nobody purchases the course. Nobody purchases the the shirts or or the merchandise or nobody comes to my conferences. Nobody comes to hear me speak. If I am 100% authentic to myself, then I've been successful. And the reason why is because for years I was not that. And then the third thing is that they buy it. I want financial freedom for me and my family from my generation on down. I want to be the first to change the narrative of what has been. Mm-hmm. So that's that those are the three ways that I measure success. But the most important one has to be that I am authentically myself because I can get on Instagram, I can get on Facebook and I can just start posting content that will go viral. Mm-hmm. And to a lot of people, that's success. But ultimately, to me, that's not going to be success because that's not fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very true. And something that I think people should hear because I think they do, especially in today's age, measure that impact on, you know, something going viral. But it can be something silly that's going viral. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know. Yeah. And and that's but I and I will say I've watched people flip the script, too. I've seen them use the silliness now to get you to buy into their message. But for the most part, that's what everybody wants to fighting videos. Mm-hmm. Which bothered me because I'm sitting thinking, how can you, you're sitting watching the fight and you're recording the whole thing and you're not jumping in at all to help the person. I, I've seen people be jumped and people think that's funny. That's not funny to me. Mm-hmm. But even th- just the things that, that we, and but it goes on to what we value as well. I, I think that's the main thing that goes to what we value. And I don't want to sacrifice my values for some likes 
some comments, some shares, and some subscribes. And it doesn't get it. It's not easy all the time when you carry a a message of purpose and a message of transformation because sometimes them likes don't don't go as high as you want them to go. Sometimes them shares don't go as high as you want them to go. But you know what I learned? When I realized they might not be liking, they might not be sharing, they might not be subscribing. But if I go over here to this store, they're purchasing. Mm-hmm. So they're getting the message. They might not want people to know publicly they're getting the message, <laughs> but it's converting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like people are receptive to, because I know some people don't like taking constructive criticism <laughs> well, or some people don't take it well um, and want to really apply it to their life. Have you ever ran into that or do you think people <laughs> are receptive in general, I have a mentee right now, and if she hears this, she's gonna bust out laughing because she's all talking about her. <laughs> when I first met her, and if you know me, I'm not the get in your face type guy, cuss you out type guy that you know, this is how we're gonna get that transformation in your life. <laughs> like, I'm gonna throw it out there at you. If you catch it, you catch it. If not, you're not ready to receive it yet. And we'll we'll work from this space. Mm-hmm. But every time we would have a session or um, she would come to the Purpose Empowerment sessions, it would always be a combative thing. Like she, she wants, but you don't even understand. That's how it would go. She was like my greatest teacher. <laughs> she was my greatest teacher because what she taught me was you have to stay in confident in what you're giving and understand when somebody's trauma is talking back to you and not them. Mm-hmm. And what I understood was she had an experience where she was raped by a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. This man was an authoritative figure in her life. And my voice is very dominating. Even though I'm not that whole in your face type thing, many times when I talked to her, it was triggering some things in her. Mm. And she she went to therapy on her own and she said, you know, it took therapy for her to realize that it wasn't me, but it was that experience that I was reminding her of. But that helped me as well because it helped me understand you might have to alter your approach or be more visual of these things or or more aware of what's going on around you. That's one situation. I want to share one more if we have time. Mm -hmm. Um, The other situation was I worked in the school system in the behavior department in the inner city of Trenton, New Jersey. Okay. And we were doing a training for learning how to restrain because the way we restrain kids and Delaware was totally different than Trenton, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So we're in the training and the way the training works is each staff member, you pair up in twos. You got to take turns with the hold being put on you and take turns putting the holds on the other person. So we were doing the, was it, it was either the bite, getting out of the bite hold, I think it was. And when we're getting out of the bite hold, when I would reverse out of it, they teach you how to reverse out of it and stand in a non-defensive stance. Well, 
I'm everything is competition for me when we have stuff like that. So I'm thinking like, yo, I'm the best one at this. And when I do it, the instructor says, pause. And she said, okay, everybody, what did Cliff just do? So I'm like, okay, this is what's <laughs> up. Now they're going to learn from me. And everybody, I like, they didn't want to answer at first. And then one person said, well, he was in a defensive stance. And I'm like, clearly they don't know what they're talking about. Cause not me of all people, like I'm not in no defensive stance. So she told me, Go through it in slow motion. Now, I told myself in my head, if you were in a defensive stance this time, you get this thing together because they're watching you right now for sure. And without knowing it, when I twisted out of it, my hands were up as if I was ready to fight. And when my hands were up as if I was ready to fight, my mind went back to Oh, I started working with kids in, in alternative schools at the age of 19. At this time, I was probably like 27. So my mind went back all them years. And I started thinking, was it a time that I did this to a student? Was it a time that I was in this defensive stance with a parent? Was it a time, you know, that I made them feel intimidated or uncomfortable? You know, it started making me look at all of those things and how I conveyed my message. So those two were were probably the biggest lesson learners for me with me, you know, adjusting and fine tuning my message of transformation and one-on-one sessions as well as in group sessions because I just wasn't aware of that. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Well, just um, getting down to the wire here. I, I don't want to say the wire because we don't really have a, a timetable, but <laughs> I did want to ask a, a two-part question. I did want to make sure to get these two questions in. How do you feel you've grown over the years in the industry? And then what advice would you give entrepreneurs and authors for them to be successful? I know you've mentioned some key aspects here and there, but if you could just touch on those two things. I want to shout out my, um, he's an identity strategist. Never heard of that before, but I'm telling you, he's, this man is the truth. Michael Weston, you're super normal. Okay. I just went through a cohort with him and he talks to you about creating business from your identity. And one of the greatest lessons I learned in that was that I wasn't positioning myself as a businessman because all I knew was education. So I was showing up in business spaces as an educator versus showing up as a businessman or entrepreneur. And some people are like, oh, that's not very important, but it is. It is because of the way that you view things, the way that you approach things. You have to show up in business arenas or, or grow into that entrepreneur. I believe that now I have grown into the entrepreneurial side of those things. And the reason why I can say that is it's no longer a problem for me to sit down and have a conversation about a contract and about the value that I'm going to bring through these services that I offer. I had a serious problem with that 
because I was just education, 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 education. All I want to do was to educate. I just want to educate. I didn't see myself as a businessman. And I didn't realize that although I was saying I was a businessman, I wasn't showing up as a businessman. And to me, that is the greatest growth for me. And it came through that cohort that I went through because it caused me to get in touch with who I really was. And it caused me to go back and address some things that I had in a coma or I just hit away. And it was like, I'll go back to them later. It caused me to go back to all of those things. And that going back to those things helped me realize why I wasn't showing up as an entrepreneur. I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I was only comfortable with being an educator. And while I was talking about living outside of your comfort zone, I kept going back to mine. I had built a whole vacation home back to my comfort zone because that's where I wanted to go. So I think my growth is that now I see myself and I communicate as a, as a entrepreneur and educator as well, but the entrepreneurship has shown up with the educator instead of the educator beating up the entrepreneur and making him stay home. When I show up, that's what I show up as. Okay. And would that be kind of the advice you give to other entrepreneurs? Yeah, my, my advice to other entrepreneurs would be, uh, I said it earlier, I use the term by Nike. Nike, if you're listening, you're looking for somebody to sponsor, I'm right here. <laughs> um, just do it. <laughs> and do it your way. Do it your way. Get advice. You know, get a mentor, do your research, do all of those important things. Have your legal stuff set up correctly. Have it set up correctly. But if you are an entrepreneur, don't be afraid of doing it your way. There is no cookie cutter method for you to express your entrepreneurship. Be creative in it and just do it. Just do it. That's some great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what's the one thing that you would want our audience to know about your one thing you would want to leave with our listeners and then also include how they can find your work and more information about you. So the one thing I would want to leave with the listeners is that the message of your best self, because we're always talking about a better self, a better self, a better self. Sometimes when we're looking for a better self, we disrespect our present self. I tell people all the time, I do this breathing exercise on my podcast. Take a deep breath in, hold it, breathe out, breathe in, hold it, breathe out. Okay. Why? Because you reset yourself. Now you're present. You've taken the energy that you've left in your past, that mistake that you made, that thing that you felt you should have did better. You pulled that energy to the present. The energy that you devoted to a future, but you're just dreaming about a future. You're not doing anything present to produce that future. You're just dreaming about the possibilities of it. So you've gathered that energy. You've merged it with the energy of your present. They've created synergy. That synergy is named your best self. You are present right now. Because you are present right now, that means you are aware. You can take advantage of every gift, talent, ability. You can take advantage of every uh, lesson or everything that's presented for you so that you can be successful and fulfilled. So that's what I would like to, to leave with everybody is embrace your best self. Realize that who you are right now, 
who you are right now is great enough. Begin to affirm yourself there. Begin to affirm yourself that I have everything that I need today in order to be successful right now. I have every tool, technique, every strategy inside of me. I just have to navigate to get there. And can I be honest with you guys? This conversation was navigating you there. Relax. Allow yourself to go there. Stop doing the self-judgment with the thoughts that you have in your head. You have creative ideas. You have creative thoughts, but you judge it. You judge it. You sit and think, man, this is crazy. This is too big for me. Why am I thinking this? I'm just thinking this because no, grab hold of it. Write that thing down. Write the vision. Make it plain. Make that thing big enough for you to begin to execute it. All right. So that's what I would leave with everybody. And then where can you find me? You can go to Google Type in Clifton Petty John. It's going to come up on all social media platforms. My website is going to go come up. If you rather just go to the website, all the platforms are there as well. Listen, I have a gift for you guys too. If you go to my website, tap on the transformation tab. I think it's the tab with the book. If you go all the way up to the top, it'll say preview. That is my gift to you. Here's what I tell you to do. Read the preview of the book. Okay. Once you read that preview, you're going to want to invest in your present, invest in your present to produce the future. So you're going to want to purchase that book. Go ahead, purchase that book, read the book, apply the book to your life. Listen, I even do a coaching call, a complimentary coaching call along with, with the purchase of the book. But here's what I tell you. If you purchase that book, you apply the principles of that book. It does not work. You write me, prove to me you've tried it and you've applied the principles, I'll give you a 100% refund. I always say that. Why? Because I believe that much in the principles outlined in this book. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a, a great deal, listeners. I and I can attest to just in just reading the preview of the book, it was impactful. So I know that the entirety of the, of the message is, is going to be excellent. So... I don't think, I think stepping out on faith and purchasing that would probably be one of the best things that, that someone can do just based on me reading the preview. <laughs> so I can attest to that. And I, I do want to, in wrapping up, thank you, of course, for being on the show, but just let you know, and I may be a, a little biased, but um, I think this is an amazing interview that, oh, you know, you. somebody who's just starting out in any type of career or maybe they have a, a business plan, but don't really know how to enact it or may not have the courage to enact it or people that I've talked to that may have a manuscript written, but they're scared, you know, maybe this isn't good enough. I think that this interview is perfect for you. Um, I definitely appreciate Clifton for dropping tons of gems for you to get started on that journey and be encouraged and have that self-awareness, overcoming fear um, definitely one of my favorite interviews <laughs> oh, on this you. platform. So I do appreciate you for coming on. And I do get a real sense just myself from listening. I've learned things and I get a real sense of empowerment through your overall message, energy and, and your testimony. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you being on. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Is there anything that you think that we missed that you may want to add or anything like that? 
I can't think of anything like like you said. You hit. <laughs> I was lit laughing because as you were talking, you were were hitting my avatar, <laughs> in the sense of those who are they have the manuscript written. They're just mm-hmm. getting started in business. You know, those are the people that this message is is for because some people just don't feel as if success is a possibility for them. I was there. I was that person that felt like I messed up too much to even live a fulfilled life. I felt like I had, I kept punishing myself for decisions that I made, not realizing that I was extending grace to everybody else. (laughs) And you can get caught up in that. So my encouragement to you, you've messed up. So what? Do you know that that's where the greatest lessons are learned? The greatest lessons are learned are in what we define as mistakes, but they're not just mistakes. You know what they are? Sometimes they're a detour. They are a detour on your journey to where you're headed to, because sometimes I can talk to us men. You know, we don't really like GPS systems sometimes because we know where we're going. (laughs) (laughs) And because we know where we're going. Sometimes it takes us a little longer to get there. And sometimes you'll see that we might pass some things two and three times. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in life, we have to take a detour Mm -hmm. and we've identified them detours as mistakes, but you have to realize every, man, I'm telling you, this is for me too. I tell myself this all the time. If you change one event in your life, then you completely alter the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. One event, I wouldn't even be sitting here with you right now. Even though I might look at it and say, oh, I'd probably be more successful in that event. No, I wouldn't be fulfilling the purpose that is me. Mm -hmm. So free yourself and create. Definitely. And like I said, that that piece that you just said and everything that we've gone over throughout the interview, I know definitely will has impacted me. And I know that it'll impact our listeners as well in a positive way. So we do want to thank our listeners for joining us today uh, for another episode of Gifted Autonomy. For future episodes, you can follow and subscribe to Gifted Autonomy on Apple and Spotify. And by doing that, you'll know when this interview drops and any future interviews we have as well, you'll know immediately you'll get a notification so you won't miss out on anything. So definitely do that. And you can also purchase my second novel, Autoscopy, online at Barnes & Noble, as I always say. And you can visit silverbrush.net to get beautiful prints and original artwork from my husband, Larry, and my sometimes (laughs) co-host. You've met him if you've listened to our podcast previously, but he makes these beautiful oil paintings. And most of them are kind of on the African diaspora. So it's it's tons of meaningful portraits that I think would just wow any home. It definitely wows ours. (laughs) So you can get originals or prints, like I said, on silverbrush.net. But until next time, if you don't have anything else, Clifton, we thank you for joining us and we'll sign off. Thank you again.